Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network family. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out their stuff. Go over to purplepainforums.com. And Kyle, uh, it happened. Zimmer's gone. Uh, that was less surprising, but maybe a little bit more surprising is Spielman's gone too. Yeah, if you would ask me, and I, you know, I probably said this somewhere. Uh, it's probably in writing somewhere where I said, or uh, I was leaning towards Spielman being reassigned into some sort of, you know, head of football operations, something to that effect where he's still given a prominent position within the front office, but it isn't necessarily the one who is making the, you know, the decisions on who to draft, who to sign, you know, actually, you know, building out a roster and that kind of thing. But I was, I was wrong on that one uh, where I was, Right, and where I think everyone could see this, everyone knew this. This was exclusive to me. Was that you know the Wolves really like Rick Spielman, and they really like Mike Zimmer. And the reports are they cried during the meeting when they fired them, and it just kind of goes to show uh, how close they were in the sense that you get you know, Spielman and the Wolves especially were very very close. Spielman was there for some summer routine, 15, 20 years. I'm pretty sure sixteen years. But in any case, it's been a long time. Surprising to me that they made those moves, but it's a, a new day for the Vikings, and and they're heading in a new direction. Yeah, well, I, I was honestly I was shocked because I um, obviously I'm new to Vikings fandom, and so I don't really pay attention to how long different executives have been on different teams. But I uh, remember visiting OverTheCap.com and saw that Spielman's yep. been there since 2006, yep. and that's a long time for for a GM. Uh, and yep. like he's, I think that um, I am always a big fan of teams giving their executive like a long leash and being able to assemble a team that um, that they want to. And like Precisely. Spielman, like yep. for 16 years, um, he's had he's had that chance. Like there's no like oh like maybe if you give him a little more time. Like he's had plenty of time. And I think that you've certainly been an advocate for him and feeling like mm -hmm. he's done a really good job. Uh, mm -hmm. For the most part, every GM is going to make their mistakes, especially when you give them 16 years. Uh, you're you're not going to hit on 100%, and even 75% uh, would be fantastic, really, uh, when you evaluate it. But he's had he's had a long time. Zimmer had eight years, and I think that as much as we knew Zimmer was gone and Spielman was kind of this a little bit more, maybe 50-50. Um, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious for you. How do you feel about the actual process of now having those vacancies at both the, the coach and the GM position? I think I'm mostly feeling there's a sense of relief in that we all knew it was happening with Zimmer. And despite what he would say, I think he knew that it was happening as well. I think after the game, he took a photo with Andre Patterson on the field or something like that. And, you know, he was asked about that interaction. And, you know, why did you do that? And I think he just kind of said oh well I hadn't I didn't have a photo with him but I you know I think he obviously knew that he was essentially a dead man walking when it comes to his employment in Minnesota and, and so that one kind of felt like a relief almost like an exhale not because I wanted him to get fired but just because he needed to be fired in, term, in terms for this team to move forward and actually do something 
you know, it was time, right? In spite of what Antonio Brown might have said in his cameo appearance, you know, Zim was not the man to fix this team. So there's relief there. And then there was some shock with Spielman. Uh, I think right now I mostly just feel hopeful and excited. And this is what the NFL does. They suck you right back in, man. I, I just feel mostly hopeful and excited insofar as it's really a new day for the Vikings. This is just, you know, the, the roster has a lot of talent. Their facilities are second to none. Like when you partner their stadium and then their training facilities and practice facilities in Egan, you partner those two things. I can't imagine there's a team in the NFL with a better spot to go to work. And so, you, and then with the resources the Wolves provide and how they kind of stay out of the way and let the football people make the football decisions, you got to think, man, you got to think that this is at the top of people's wish list. In terms, I mean, who freaking knows? There's all, all kinds of factors. You know, maybe the top candidate wants to be in the south of the states because that's where all their family is, or or maybe they love the weather and they don't want to do the Minnesota cold. But just in terms of football things, Minnesota has to be about as desirable as it gets, really, in a lot of ways. Even though there's a fair bit of work to be done, so to me, I feel hopeful. Like I, I feel like they should be able to have their shot at uh, top tier you know, executives and, and then coaches from there. So be interesting to see. Uh, so initial, initial relief, then some shock with Spielman and then now feeling kind of excited and hopeful. Yeah. It is fascinating. Just this, the, the mentality of a fan and how it yep. goes and like in some ways um, not to put a negative spin, but like in some ways this is as good as it gets in the sense of like, you can dream. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Stage, Reality like, hasn't hit me. There's literally nothing like you could say that um, they're going to bring over the best candidate. And like the hope is like, that's the goal, right? You hire the, the best person that you can. Um, yeah. And at this point, like they haven't had to do anything, right? Like at this point, you're speculating yeah. what's happening and then you hire someone and then you look at their past history and you're like, what have they done? Are they going to be a good fit? Have they maybe learned from things that they've done before? Uh, yeah. And then they got to start making moves. And like, yep. you can't, you can't stand Pat. Like they need to do something like right now, as it stands, they're over the cap. So like someone's going to come in and have to make some serious um, mm-hmm. moves. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm certainly not worried about the cap in the sense that last year um, we saw that it's really um, not a, not a big deal. Like you can, you, you can make things, you can extend players. Do exactly. whatever you want. Um, yep. But I guess like realistically, it feels like with all logic, you're they're first going to hire uh, a manager, a general manager, so they yes, can bring right. their, their coach. That seems like the most logical step. I, I know that maybe you see a coach and like, you know, we just got to take this guy. Yep. Um, but it feels like the most logical step is, is a general manager. And I guess um, I'm curious for you, if you have names you're interested in or more, if you're looking for a certain philosophy around the, that manager position, um, where are you at in terms of thinking about what it looks like to hire that position? And also, I guess, when you're looking for that move, because um, mm-hmm. you got, you got a little bit of a runway here, but at some point um, there's, there's decisions that need to be made and, and you need yep. someone to make those decisions. Yep. It's time to get moving. So if you, okay. So first thing, head over to Purple PTSD, Sam, Sam's got the extra screens, uh, you know, he's the one with uh, all the technology. Uh, so the Wilfs, Mark Wilf has confirmed that they're going to be hiring the general manager first because they want the general manager to be 
uh, Mark Wolf, of course, being one of the Wolf brothers and one of the primary owners, lead figures within the ownership group. Uh, so he's confirmed they're going to be hiring a general manager first. Currently, there are, uh, as of Friday morning, or rather late Thursday night, and then now we're, we're recording Friday morning for this Monday podcast, uh, they had eight candidates who they've requested interviews for. And so I did a kind of like a getting to know you piece uh, over on pro PTSD, kind of with like a little paragraph for each kind of thing, just to kind of, I don't know, dip your toe into who these candidates are. And so it's kind of interesting, you know, they're definitely kind of heating things up when it comes to the GM search. And then from there, the only, so far as I've seen, at least at this stage, the only head coach candidate who's been linked to them has been Doug Pedersen, who of course was the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that absolutely thrashed us in the 2017 NFC championship game. So I, the sense I have among a lot of Vikings fans is that there's some bitterness towards Patterson, but I really don't think I like, I understand the bitterness towards Sean Payton and the saints because his team cheated and they did so in a disgusting way. But Pedersen, I mean, they just beat us fair and square. So Frig, you know, you, you tip the cap and yeah, it sucked, but like, you know, like he, he coached better than our coach did and he prepares team. But, and so it's like, uh, we shouldn't hold that against them. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying he's the best choice for us, but he's an interesting choice with an interesting history. And, uh, you know, on his way out, he, oh gosh, I can't remember the exact quote I was reading it. I was reading an article towards the very end of his time in uh, Philadelphia, and he was emphasizing how much he wanted uh, to be able to collaborate and, and communicate with the overall leadership structure in Philadelphia when it comes to big roster decisions and coaches to hire and that sort of thing. And that really caught my eye because Mark Wilf made that exact point during his press conference earlier this week saying, whoever we bring in needs to be able to collaborate, communicate well, you know, like lead alongside these other resources that are around. And so Pedersen, you know, the thing he was asking for, the thing that he wanted before he got fired is the precise thing that Mark Wilf reiterated over and over and over again uh, in his press conference earlier this week uh, when he addressed the media. So Doug Pedersen is an interesting person to keep an eye on. Uh, especially given the Super Bowl victory. Uh, but right now, it's, it's going to be the GM, I think, before the head coach. And so to Sam's other question, where what am I most looking for? I'm looking for somebody who is inc- incredibly shrewd. That, when I think of a good general manager, I think of someone who's shrewd. And what I mean by that is not someone who's like conniving or going to screw people over, but just someone who's got some wisdom with some teeth. You know what I mean? Not afraid to make tough decisions, but also very wise. You know what I mean? And, and not just, you know, out there cutting folks and screwing people over for the sake of doing that, but someone who is, yeah, wis- wisdom with teeth, you know, you can, can run a hard bargain when it's necessary, uh, can pull off, you know, a, a trade when it's necessary, can go against the grain if they really feel passionate about somebody in the draft, can go against the grain and, and snag that player. And, you know, that's a home run swing because you look pretty freaking stupid if it doesn't work out. Right. But really, that, that's what you, you pay these guys to make those decisions, to know things that Sam and I don't know, to know things that other people don't know. So when I think of a good general manager, I think of someone who's shrewd. And that, that's really what I want for the Vikings general manager, manager position. Uh, clear vision, 
good leadership, good communication, someone with integrity, for goodness sake. Some, and I'm not saying Spielman, Spielman has integrity, but someone with integrity, of course, a lot of leadership, <laughs> a lot of leadership around the NFL. I uh, don't seem to have very much integrity. And I won't name names, but I think that's true in a lot of instances. And so that's kind of what I'm, that's my rambling long answer, Sam, to some of the stuff you were saying. Uh, did you find the purple PTSD piece? I did. Yeah. The, is this, this is the piece that, um, that you wrote over there with the eight candidates. Yeah. Getting to know the eight candidates, something like that. And so just, I, when I was working through, I was most intrigued by the candidate from Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, just cause I think Tampa Bay has such an impressive roster. Um, their O-line and their D-line. Great. You know what I mean? Like I, and any team with a great O-line and D-line, and anyone who was involved in building that great O-line D-line, that makes me really excited. Yeah. Well, and I think that, like, if you look at this Vikings team, like, we talk about how many great pieces they have. Um, and they even have some good pieces along this o- uh, O-line and D-line. Um, yep. But I think that um, maybe they're not underrated by uh, by Vikings fans because they've seen what the impact of a bad O-line or, or D-line is. Um, yep. But it, to... To personally, I just feel like that is such a crucial part of a team, and you're really fighting an uphill battle if you don't have yeah, those, those things um, solidified. And so it makes sense 100%. that that would be something that you're you're looking for with with a manager. Yep, hundred percent. And that was one where I, you know, also yesterday I published I did an interview with John McMullen, who's a writer for Sports Illustrated, and he covers the Philadelphia Eagles and. Uh, you know, I basically just wanted to know how the Eagles turned it around pretty quickly, going from four, eleven, and one, missing the playoffs, firing their coach, to going nine and eight, sneaking into the playoffs in one year, avoiding the full scale rebuilds. You know, he made a lot of good points. But one of the things that really stuck with me about what Mr. McMillan was saying was that, you know, Minnesota's skill players are far superior to Philadelphia's. And he said that, and I, I agree with him. But then he said, the strength of our team is our O line and our D line. And he was basically talking about how, you know, in Zim's tenure, you know, it was kind of concerning that never really figured out the O-line, right? And, and, and obviously the D-lines really struggled these past couple of seasons. And so he, you know, it, it was interesting to get his outside perspective, especially in comparison to Philadelphia with the kind of the moderate success they enjoyed this year, uh, getting into the playoffs a year after doing so poorly. Um, that's going to be one of the main mandates for whoever is the general manager and then the head coach fix the lines you know fix fix both lines and so and i think we're we're straying away a little bit but it's i think it's okay because i I guess what i'm curious from your perspective is that um and we're still talking about this manager and and talking about the offensive line defensive line and so i guess there's two different angles here is one is like there is a personnel um piece with with those lines where you bring in quality pieces that can solidify those um both, both those lines, but I guess there's also a little bit of um, like a mindset, I guess, around it too, or, and even just a, a coaching angle yep. to it as well. And so yep. when you got the uh, evaluation from the Eagles and what they did, um, I guess, what were the changes that you picked up on that they made that allowed for them to, to solidify those, those, those lines? He made the point with Nick Sirianni. I mean, some of it was just bad luck, you know, getting, getting some bodies back. And, you know, obviously the old football saying it's with the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's. So if you get the right Jimmys and the Joes, if you have super talented guys, 
it makes life a lot easier, right? So you, you get some of your main guys back. Uh, forget the X's and the O's that, you know, that makes a big difference when you have talented players in the field. So, you know, so in some ways that's step one, you know, bring in or bring back rather great talent. But then he, he made the point about Nick Sirianni kind of uh, leaning into the strengths of the current team and, and, and magnifying what those are to allow the offense to be able to succeed. And obviously every coach should want to do this. Not every coach does. Uh, they may pay lip service to it and say they do, but you can see, you know, actions speak louder than words. You can see the product in the field. They don't. Right. You know, we know all about that because of John Filippo when he was here with us here in Minnesota. So you give Nick Sirianni credit in that he actually adjusted things and, and uh, magnified the strengths. So really any, any coach, this is just, I coach 14 and 15 year olds in Canada, you know, like the quality of football I coach here is a fair bit different than NFL football, but it's true of me. It's true of anyone. You try and magnify your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. Meanwhile, you know, you're doing that on your own side. Meanwhile, you're trying to magnify the opposition's weaknesses and nullify their strengths. I mean, that's just like strategy 101, right? But like so often, especially the really smart guys don't get that in the NFL. Like they overthink it. And I, I don't know sometimes why. Uh, it's best to keep it simple. And, and just kind of fall back on the tried and true strategy. But you give Sirianni credit for uh, doing that and taking that approach. And man, look, his Eagles, his Eagles are in the playoffs this year. And don't they have three first round picks in this upcoming draft? So man, like you got a young quarterback, you got Jalen Hurts, right? You've got no line D line. And I know they got some veterans. Like it's not like Kelsey or Lane Johnson or Young or Fletcher Cox, that kind of thing. But they got no line and D line. It's pretty freaking strong. And then they got all those draft picks, all that draft capital right up front. And so you're saying to yourself, man, if we have some deficiencies in our skill positions or in other areas of the roster, we've got, you know, a pretty good way of addressing that. So I don't know. I, it's, it's really impressive uh, the way that Philadelphia navigated the draft board last year in order to accumulate more draft capital for the season. And then to have that this year, uh, and they're an impressive group. And that, that's specifically why I reached out to, to Mr. McMullen is because I think Philly's kind of an interesting uh, model for us to follow in a, in, a, in a sense. And that they didn't do a total rebuild, tear it down, start from scratch. They went two and 15. No, they went nine and eight. They're in the playoffs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you are right from what I can uh, gather here that there are three first round picks and they're all right now mid to late picks, but still incredible for it's incredible. Where first first round picks are um, are so incredibly valuable, and so yep. for them to do that and be a playoff team, I think really speaks to some managerial um, shrewdness. Yep. I guess as you as you mentioned, shrewd. Right? And shrewd. and so with that, I think we'll transition a little bit from the GM to the coach. And obviously, the GM needs to be uh, like you said. Um, I think that that shrewdness is a real value, and I, I feel like um, there's a tie to shrewdness to aggressiveness. Um, yep. And I know Kendricks came out and had some uh, yeah. quotable lines about that nature. And so obviously the GM needs to position the coach well to have a roster where they can um, have success. But I think yep. that there's also uh, maybe as we move, obviously the GM is going to be the first domino to fall, but then you got this coach. And I think that um, 
I'm curious to hear from your perspective what you're looking for in a coach. And, and I think one of the things that often seems to characterize coaches is this idea of being an offensive-minded or defensive-minded. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess this is where that whole piece that you're talking about there about leaning into your strengths. Um, and so I guess I'm just curious to hear from your perspective, maybe just in a vague sense, um, and hear what what comes from your uh, your mind there. Like what when you think about this head coach position, um, what you're looking for as a fan. So the first thing is that let's just say Brian, Brian Flores is an example. Brian Flores, uh, who was just fired by Miami, which was a dumb decision, uh, at least from my perspective. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but at least from my perspective. If they do all the interviews, and let's say they interview Brian Flores, who's he's a defensive background, he's a defensive coach first, uh, and they say he is head and shoulders better than everybody else, then you friggin' hire him, right? Like, forget offense and defense. Like, if, if they went into it thinking defense, or rather offense, and the defensive guy is, like, clearly the best candidate, so far as we can tell, then, man, make that move, right? Like, like hire that dude, and, and, and then do your best to hire a top-tier offensive coordinator. The reason why that would make me nervous is because what happens to those top-tier offensive coordinators? It's like, well, they get scooped up. And, you know, this is a point. I know people don't like Mike Florio. Uh, I like Florio. I, I think he's an interesting guy. But he's made this point where if he was running a franchise, if he was a general manager, he would really lean pretty heavily to the offensive side of things because it allows for more continuity. And just think of Mr. Kirk Cousins and the lack of continuity he's had with his offensive coordinators. Um, but really, it's neither here nor there whether Cousins sticks around in Minnesota or if he goes elsewhere. Continuity is important, right? Like year in, year out, knowing the system, being able to build off of, add nuance, add layers, uh, just become second nature. Cousins has never really had that in, in uh, you know, in his past, what, five, six years, something like that. So that's extremely challenging. And so I think an offensive coach gives you a greater chance at continuity, right? And so in that sense, I lean towards offense, not even because like I understand the present and the future of this roster is on offense. And it's not to say the defense won't get better or can't improve, but man, Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith, right? And, you know, you look, just like go down to uh, Brian O'Neill and Christian Darisaw, your tackle tandem. Ezra Cleveland played pretty well at left guard, right? Like there are some pieces here and you really feel most optimistic about the offense. And so the identity of the right now Minnesota Vikings, the 2022 Minnesota Vikings that will trot onto the field, I don't know, in August for preseason and then September for the real season, it's probably going to be the offense. Is, is this going to be the strength? And, you know, going, going forward, it looks like that would be the case. Obviously, things can change, but that seems to be how things will proceed. So in that sense, I, I, I get it. But really, the main appeal to me with an offensive-minded head coach, such as perhaps Doug Pedersen or perhaps someone different, is the chance of continuity. That is very important to me. A shrewd leader, a general manager, and then a great leader, uh, a great motivator and teacher as a head coach who can uh, have his system in place for years, multiple years, and evolve it, uh, add more complexity to it, more nuance, more unpredictability, all those things. That seems to me very, very important. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. Like I, I do think you mentioned the, the lack of continuity and I guess 
it feels um, not hypocritical, but like it's like the idea of bringing in someone else new to like, but it is like we're trying to establish yeah. something. Uh, exactly. The Vikings are trying to establish something now. And like, um, like, yeah, I guess this, there's a trickle down effect, right? Like how this affects someone like Clint Kubiak or um, where they're at. But it does feel like the Vikings do need a little bit of like they need. Well, not a little bit. They do need an identity and they need to lean into yes, that. And yeah. like you said, like they need to use their strengths. And at this point, the strength is clearly the offense. Um, and I guess that's where I'm curious about, like, because you have Zimmer, who was more of the defensive minded um, coach, but at the same time, like the defense the last couple of years has been pretty bad, bad. and like bad. borderline yeah. awful. Um, yep. Maybe it's as simple as just saying it was awful. And so I exactly. guess in that sense, like, okay, so maybe you're hiring an offensive minded coach, but you need to make sure that whoever's coming in to run that defense really has their stuff together. Because um, like we said, th- th- that's the area that needs the most work. And there, it seems like at this point, the most likely situation is that you're bringing in several new bodies on that defensive side and you need to figure out a way to make sure that that all works together. Yep. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it's, you know, I, I think, I think it's easier to have continuity with an offensive head coach and then an elite defensive coordinator than it is to have a defensive head coach and an elite offensive coordinator because those guys just get poached. So I, I agree with Sam, like the defense really needs a lot of work and really need to prioritize it. And obviously you don't want to neglect it. Um, you know, they, they need a new approach. There's, there's no two ways about it. Uh, but I think you can do that within this overall structure of leaning offense first and then going defense from there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I wouldn't be shocked either way if they elevated Andre Patterson or if they... Uh, or perhaps he moved on. I'm not sure. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I, you know, in terms of the, I'm not a gambler. Haven't gambled in a long time. Uh, but in terms of like the Vegas odds and that kind of thing, all of the things that I've seen suggest that Andre Patterson is one of the front runners for the overall head coach job, which would actually be really surprising to me because I don't think he's ever been a head coach in the NFL. I think this past year was the first time he was a coordinator in the NFL. And then even there, he didn't call the plays and he was co-defensive coordinator. So I think he's an excellent coach. Would it be surprising if, uh, like, it would probably be a bit of a jump to be defensive coordinator in that I don't think he's done it before, even though I think he's fully qualified. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Andre Patterson. Uh, but certainly there are other candidates out there as well who could do a really nice job uh, when it comes to uh, coordinating that defense. And I mean, you know, People disagree with this. I know Christian Stoynev, I mentioned him last podcast, but he's written on P- pro PTSD about uh, how he prefers a defensive coordinator or rather a defensive head coach. Um, and his basic rationale is what's the main problem here? That's the defense. What's the main reason why Mike Zimmer got fired? Well, his defense sucked, right? Like he's, he's supposed to be a defensive wizard and the defense friggin' sucked for two years. And that was the main reason why, uh, you know, things went so poorly for the most part. I mean, the offense was, you know, good, not great, but it really was the defense that let us down. So, you know, there's a case to be made for prioritizing the defense, but it would be shocking in that Mike Zimmer was eight years of defense and he replaced Leslie Frazier, who's also a defensive head coach. And so it's been like a decade of, of defense first. And I, I would be very surprised if it was defense first again. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense. Like I, I'm, um, I'm certainly all in for the mentality of leaning into your strengths. Um, yep. 
and I also I think I'm a fan of a fan of some um, not like it's a major identity shift, but like you said, there is an there is an identity shift that needs to happen, and they need to yes. figure out what that is. Um, yes, because I don't really know looking back what this team's identity was this year. Um, yeah, it, it certainly wasn't clear. Maybe there there's been conversation about this, but like it wasn't. Yeah, it, it really didn't feel like you knew what was happening. And so, um, anyways, it's just uh, Vikings have certainly given us lots to talk about, and it's going to be an interesting offseason to watch um, yeah. and see how it goes. And so, I think that we're uh, we'll wrap up here for today with with this. Um, but I also want to give Kyle the floor for for one final thought to leave uh, leave everyone with. So then before we, I let's yeah, let's wrap it up. Sam, do you know some of the hot coaching names well enough to be able to make a guess here? Um, I know Flores. I don't, I know, like I've seen lists. I've seen people float ideas by. Um, I don't, um, I don't have enough uh, opinions to, to throw real name, like a, a name in um, outside of like feeling like Flores would be a great hire. All right. We'll put Sam down for Flores then. Forget, forget everything you said about offense. Sam's prediction is Brian Flores. You go with that. Yeah, I like again. I obviously I want like I, I I'm leaning, but I'm saying like if there was a name at this point that feels like the best, the best candidate as a coach, but maybe not the best for the Vikings. But anyways, go ahead. Put me down for uh, Byron Leftwich. Ah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that Byron name. Leftwich. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that's my guess. There, there it is, Sam bring us home baby okay bring us home well and we appreciate everyone listening i think that this today we really just wanted to get a chance to um talk with us because this is big news for the coaching yeah, definitely to be gone and uh appreciate everyone listening we didn't really follow the our first second and third down structure but um anyways we as long as uh nothing big happens over the weekend um uh, <laughs> that would be yeah. uh the, that would ruin what we've recorded here but um, there's a lot of fun, I think, at this point, just to see and, and like Kyle mentioned earlier, just the hope that you can have at this point. And um, at the end of the day, I think that it's a good reminder for fans like there's going to be some changes here and it's going to take some time. And I think that um, I think it's good to remain hopeful this this offseason, no matter what the moves are that are made, because uh, there is going to be some changes that need to be made. And sometimes changes is hard. Uh, changes are hard to to listen to and to figure out and to uh, recognize. And I think that just want to give whoever's coming in a chance to to uh, to do what they need to do here. So I think over the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing some breakdowns and looking back, I think probably on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, some highlights, some lowlights uh, from the past year. And um, we'll uh, some, some of those may be easier than others uh, to find, but um Anyways, I just we hope everyone continues to enjoy football if they if they feel like watching still with with playoffs. Hope that uh, this past weekend was really exciting, lots of fun for uh, for for what's happened in terms of the NFL playoffs. But uh, with that being said, we'll we'll wrap it up here. So uh, I don't know, if, Kyle, if you have any any final words that you want to leave uh, listeners with. Ryan Flores for Sam, Byron Leftwich for Kyle. Yeah. Well, I reserve the right to change my answer uh, as convenient. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, again, 
feel free to check out Kyle's stuff. Uh, Purple PTSD, uh, Purple Pain Forums. We uh, love you all and hope you have a good week. And uh, we'll be back shortly to continue to talk with the Vikings. Take care, everyone.